Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Roxgold's year-end 2020 earnings results conference call. My name is Mary and I will be your conference operator today. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press the star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded for replay purposes. I will now turn the floor over to Graham Jennings, Vice President of Investor Relations. Graham, please go ahead. Thank you, Mary. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Roxgold's fourth quarter in 2020 financial and operating results conference call. Today on the call, we have John Dorward, President and CEO, Vince Sapupo, Chief Financial Officer, Paul Criddle, Chief Operating Officer, Paul Whedon, Vice President Exploration, and Eric Pick, Vice President Corporate Development, all of whom will be available for questions following the presentation. Please note that certain statements made on today's call may contain forward-looking information subject to known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors. For more information, we refer you to our detailed cautionary note within last night's press release. Also, please note that all amounts are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. I will now turn the call over to John to take you through our results. Thank you, Graham, and good morning, everyone. I am pleased to welcome you to our call to discuss our operating and financial results for the year, as well as giving an overview on recent milestone developments that have set the stage for Roxgold to achieve our goal of becoming West Africa's next multi-asset gold producer. Roxgold was able to deliver remarkably strong operating and financial results while advancing the near-term growth potential of the company and ensuring the safety and security of our teams and communities in which we operate. This strong track record of reliable, consistent performance and project advancement have become defining characteristics of Roxgold and its people. This year promises to be exciting for Roxgold as, with early works already initiated and the feasibility study nearing completion, we look forward to making a formal. Seguela has the potential to more than double our production, resource-based cash flows and earnings, while giving Roxgold the diversification to lower our risk profile and meet the growing appetite of the investing community. Now to business at hand. The Yaramoko Mine Complex closed out the year with its strongest quarter, reporting production of just over 35,000 ounces in Q4 to bring our annual production to just shy of 134,000 ounces, exceeding our guidance set at the beginning of the year of 120 to 130,000 ounces. Underground mining rates increased in the fourth quarter with a corresponding uptick in head grade in Q4 of 9.5 grams per tonne due to mining higher levels of stoping ore. Meanwhile, our processing plan continued its steady beat of outperformance with annual record throughput of just over 512,000 tonnes and an average, average head grade for the year of 8.5 grams per tonne. Turning to the financial results, 
Roxgold reported record annual gold sales of $240 million in 2020. We benefited from the strong gold price market last year, realising an average gold price of $1,771 per ounce for the year, 27% higher than the price. Operational efficiencies and cost controls has continued costs of $152 per tonne, $579 per ounce. As a result, the company produced record annual operating margins of $1,079 per ounce, driving cash flow from mining operations to $126 million, or 45 cents Canadian per share, and an adjusted EBITDA of $109 million for an EBITDA margin of 45%. Mining by its nature is a capital intensive business but mining and growth do not have to come at the expense of shareholder interests. And we are very pleased to report a 20% return on equity for the year. Looking back at our performance last year versus our expectations, we tracked well against our guidance, which was set at the beginning of 2020, before we knew what would transpire over the course of that year. As mentioned, Yaramoko produced 133,940 ounces which exceeded our production guidance of 120,000 to 130,000 ounces, thanks to Roxgold's team on the ground, the flexibility of our operations, and the continued outperformance of our processing plant. Cash operating costs of $579 per ounce fell within our guidance range of $520 to $580 per ounce, as we saw costs impacted associated with COVID-related protocols. We estimate that there was an approximate $35 per ounce impact on costs for the year related to COVID management restrictions as reduced underground mining activity was mitigated with the processing of additional stockpile material. Accordingly, all-in sustaining costs of $1,004 were slightly above guidance of $930 to $990 per ounce, primarily due to the impact of COVID totaling about $35 per ounce and higher royalty payments due to higher realised gold prices, which added approximately $20 per ounce to our costs above our guidance. Removing the impact of COVID-related protocols and higher gold price royalties would normalise all in sustaining costs for the year to approximately $950 per ounce, comparing well with guidance. Finally, growth spend last year of $34 million also came in above our guidance of $20 to $25 million, due to the significant success of our exploration programs at Seguela and Basura, details of which we will get into shortly. Our strong operating performance and record margins last year has allowed Roxgold to finish the year with a strengthened balance sheet with nearly $62 million in cash, or $27.3 million of net cash, plus an additional $20 million available at an undrawn revolving facility. This strong liquidity position provides increased financial flexibility to allow us to maintain our strong balance sheet while supporting our ambitious growth initiatives. Aramoco had a very strong year, reporting over $126 million in cash flow from mining operations and free cash flow before growth spend of nearly $48 million, after including income tax payments of $8.3 million to the government of Burkina Faso as we had utilised the last of our carry-forward tax losses in 2019. Continue to invest in the business in order to drive our next leg of growth, spending $23 million in underground mine development at the 55 zone and over $12 million at back last year. 
The spend of Bagasy South, as we have discussed on previous calls, is expected to reduce now that decline development has been completed, allowing for full stoping operations to be conducted over the remaining life of the deposit, as defined by mineral reserves for Bagasy South, though we do see multiple opportunities for extension, which we will highlight in a few slides. Exploration and evaluation spend increased last year to $29.6 million as necessitated by the drill bit success we saw at Seguela and Basura. Last year, we spent $21.4 million at Seguela, which included $15 million of drilling costs and $3.5 million on the PEA and the upcoming feasibility study. In addition, we spent $8.9 million at Basura and on underground drilling at Yaramoko. We believe these dollars in the ground are among the most value-accretive drivers in the industry, as demonstrated by Seguela, which saw a nearly 100% increase in the indicated resources without the inclusion of cooler, and while spending on an infill program that is expected to see a very positive conversion of resources to reserves for the upcoming feasibility study. Looking ahead to this year, Roxgold is expecting that Yaramoko will be more of the same, producing 120 to 130 sustaining costs of $895 to $975 per ounce for spending with an assumption of ongoing COVID management protocol expenses in place for the majority of the year. Growth spending, driven by exploration and evaluation, is expected to come in at $15 to $20 million at this stage with activity skewed towards the first half of the year. The potential Side across our portfolio has never been more robust and we are eager to share with the market the results of our ongoing programs which include a resumption of new target testing at Sawala, district exploration at Yaramoko and the continued expansion of definition drilling throughout the Basura land package. Turning to Sawala, Sawala saw significant advancement last year through the hard work of our exploration and project teams with a PEA announced in April, followed by an ESIA and exploitation mining permit. Whilst the PEA defined exceptional prospective project economics with an after-tax NPV and an internal rate of return of 66% at a gold price, then that the PEA was but a snapshot in time of the potential value of Seguela as illustrated by the discovery of the mineral resource estimate announced in December, which outlined indicated mineral resources of 1 million ounces of gold at 2.5 grams per tonne, with an additional 400,000 ounces of inferred material at just shy of 5 grams per tonne. We acquired Seguela for just $20 million of cash in 2019, and next quarter we will be releasing the results of a feasibility study which we believe will see material improvements upon the already robust PEA, considering the implications for the, of the inclusion of cooler with its nearly 300,000 ounces of eight gram per tonne material into the feasibility study. Also of note, we repurchased a 0.3% net smelter royalty outstanding on Seguela from an original property owner as we exercised our right of refusal to preempt an arm's length acquisition between the property owner and an international royalty company for consideration of $700,000 in cash. Seguela continues to have a 1.2% NSR held by another original property owner under similar terms, including a right of first refusal 
and a right to acquire the remaining royalty at a fair market value at any time after a decision to mine has been made. As we look, for, look beyond the feasibility study, we believe Seguela has significant growth potential. The infill drilling program in support of the feasibility has now been completed at all deposits, and we now have our drills turning to test extensions at Ancient and Cooler, a long strike and a depth, with two drill rigs resuming testing of targets within the highly prospective property package. Looking at the production profile as defined in the PEA, it is important to note that this production profile is already outdated, yet the PEA was an important first step in demonstrating the positive economics of the project. As we saw in the PEA, that antenna provided the base load of production for the first eight plus years of mine life, but was supercharged in the first four years thanks to the inclusion of Unseen with its nearly quarter million ounces of gold at high grades of 5.4 grams per tonne. As we moved forward last year, Roxgold had two primary goals for Segala. First, to infill the deposits that made up the PEA, Antenna, Ancien, Boulder and Agouti, for inclusion into the feasibility study to maintain the critical path towards construction. And secondly, to continue exploration drilling in order to extend the higher production levels in those first four years and to extend mine life. The exploration program had immediate success with the discovery of Kula, which was drilled out for a maiden resource of nearly 300,000 ounces at 8.1 grams per tonne, making cooler among the highest grade open pit projects in the world today. Naturally, the significance of cooler for the Seguela project was undeniable, so we quickly redirected our drilling teams and conducted a comprehensive infill program with four rigs turning a cooler in Q4 in order to bring it into the upcoming feasibility study. With the infill completed cooler, we have taken the first important steps towards achieving our vision for Seguela as being a 150,000 ounce per plus per year producer for 10 plus years. When the feasibility study comes out, I believe we will see Antenna maintain its base load production over the first eight or nine years, while Cooler, being located less than one kilometre away from Antenna, will slot in ahead of Ancien, pushing Ancien out to years four, five and six and beyond giving us an extension of those higher production years farther into the mine life. And the next are to extend the mine life beyond 10 years and expand the resource base, which will come from further delineation of the wealth of highly prospective targets at Seguela, a program that has had considerable success in a short period of time, as well as extension testing of our current deposits for potential underground operations down the road. Turning to cooler, to give some colour to what is the shiniest new toy in the toy chest. Thank you, John. We can see here all the drill result highlights from most recent round of infill drilling at Cooler, which we shared with the market last week. As John mentioned, Cooler is located less than one kilometre to the east of Antenna and was discovered through field reconnaissance and coincident recent artisanal workings in an area previously considered to be of a lower exploration priority. An initial 10-hole reconnaissance RC program successfully turned interceptions of high-grade mineralisation, extending over a projected strike of more than 300 metres across five drill lines, with the deepest intersection approximately 150 metres below surface. This program was extended with 10 lines of drilling, infilling and extending coverage to over 400 metres of strike, and where the high-grade mineralisation remains open at depth. The mineralisation is hosted by a quartz carbonate vein associated with a well-developed myelinitic fabric within and along 
the interpreted margins of the foliated basalt, which in turn has been tightly folded. Coarse gold is commonly recorded in the higher grade zones, with drilling highlighting a consistent, moderate, southerly plunge to the high grade core over at least 450 metres and where it remains open to the south. With the deposit remaining open down plunge, drilling has started on deep step out holes approximately 120 metres further down plunge from the previously deepest intersection of 14 metres at 4.3 grams per tonne, intersected in SGRD 971, which you can see here on the long section. Similarly, at NTN, which is the, almost a mirror of cooler, we have moved the rig to museum testing the depth extension and the underground potential of the deposit. This program was having notable success last year before we decided to focus on cooler for disclosure in the feasibility study. In summary, we have many irons in the pilot together to add additional ounces and further expand our resource base. Back to you, John. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Maybe on the... uh, sorry, everyone. I don't know how many times I've done that during the last 12 months, but anyway. Um, thank you, Paul. Turning to the timeline, Seguela is a project that is moving ahead quickly. When we overlay the timeline of Yaramoko from initial resource to production, we can see the Seguela, that Seguela compares very well as Yaramoko came into production in just under four years after initial resource and Seguela is on a similar path with initial production targeted next year. Last year, we achieved significant milestones at Seguela, including the approval of both the Environmental Social Impact Assessment and the Exploitation Permit by the Avoirian Government, meaning Seguela is a fully permitted project. We started initial site works before the end of the year, upgrading our roads and building out a construction camp in order to protect the critical path and allow for full construction activities to hit the ground running once commenced later this year. Projects can move quickly in West Africa and good projects demand to move quicker. Seguela is such a project with exceptional prospective project economics and one which has the potential to more than double our production within a short time frame without the need for dilution to our shareholders. Turning to Yaramoko, in November, we announced an updated mineral reserve and resource estimate for Yaramoko, which saw proven and probable reserves increase 8% to 710,000 ounces and measured and indicated resources increase 4% to 857,000 ounces. This increase was net of mining depletion of nearly 208,000 ounces over the 18 months from the end of 2018 to June 2020. 
Yeramoko has now been operating for five years and since starting production in 2016, we have poured over 610,000 ounces of gold, which puts the total endowment uncovered at Yaramoko to date at approximately 1.5 million ounces, a sizable and growing heft for what was once perceived as a small underground mine. During this time, we have established a track record at Yaramoko with continued production, replacement and mine life extension, as we have as many ounces on the books today is when we started production and we expect that this seven to eight year production visibility will continue to roll forward year after year. Our underground drill program in the 55 zone from the 4700 level, approximately 600 metres below surface, has been progressing well, albeit somewhat slower than originally anticipated due to personnel restrictions associated with COVID controls. This program is designed with the intention of upgrading a significant portion of inferred mineral resources at depth to bring into the mine plan and will be incorporated into the annual mineral resource and reserve update to be released in the second half of the, this year. We anticipate a high conversion rate from inferred to MNI as has been characteristic of the 55 zone since inception. Of particular note, last year we saw mine reconciliation performance between the ore reserve and grade control model of 107% for tonnes and 104% for grade. Additionally, Last year, we initiated a review of near-surface mineralisation opportunities across the Yaramoko property to complement our high-grade underground operations. This review identified the near-surface portions of the 55 zone that extended outside of the prior underground mineral resource, including the substantial high-grade crown pillar, as well as offsetting mineralised splays from 55 zone that were not incorporated into the early years of the mine plan. Based on a 4,000 metre RC and diamond drilling program conducted early in the year and the internal mine plan analysis. These near surface mineral reserves and mineral resources support the commencement of an open pit at the eventual completion of the 55 zone underground mine, at which point we will be targeting nearly a quarter of a million ounces of indicated resources of open pitable material at a very high grade of 7.7 grams per tonne. The learnings from the open pit definition at the 55 zone and review of near-surface mineralisation opportunities across the Yaramoko property has reinvigorated our Yaramoko Regional Exploration Program. The potential for an open pit at Bagasy South is a high priority target with significant known mineralisation remaining at the surface in QB prime, but also sitting in the parallel veins of QB1, QB2 and QB3, which may potentially combine when viewed through the lens of an open pit. This viewpoint has also directed us towards re-examining prior targets with large surface expressions of historical artisanal workings that may provide the low-hanging fruit of open pitable mineralisation while giving an understanding of the drivers of mineralisation for potential depth extensions to become the next Bagasy South or 55 zone. High priority targets include several along the interpreted western corridor of the 55 zone in the Bagasy South, as well as the 109 and 300 prospects. Delineations of near-surface targets will be the initial focus of exploration activities while we look to systematically test the remaining two dozen high-priority targets as well as further exploration work to identify and delineate additional targets within the permit boundaries. Extending the mine life is an ongoing priority for us and between the success of the near-surface drilling program together with the ongoing underground drilling program and the reprioritisation of regional exploration targets, I am very confident that we will build a compelling body of evidence over the coming quarters 
to showcase the long-life nature of Yarramoco. Finally, before we move into Q&A, we want to take a moment to touch on our activities at our advanced stage exploration project, Basura. Basura sits on the southern portion of the prolific Hyundai Greenstone Belt, which is host to numerous high-grade, large-scale gold discoveries, including the Yarramoco Mine Complex, as well as Endeavour's Mana and Hyundai Mines. The Basura project was staked by Rockscott in 2014 and had seen only a modest amount of formal exploration previously. We hold a large land package as our property covers over 250 square kilometres with an earning agreement in place for an additional 270 square kilometres of neighbouring permits. A year ago, we announced the initial results from Basura and have since drilled over 200 holes in the project with consistent assay returns demonstrating broad intersections and mineralisations with lower grade halos surrounding higher grade quartz veins, characteristic of the style of mineralisation found within this prolific gold belt. Basura is still in its early days, yet we are growing more confident in the scale of this project and its potential to become Roxgold's third mine as we continue to delineate and define numerous veined corridors running over extensive strike lengths in both the Fafora area in the north and Galgooli to the south and with numerous additional targets yet to be tested between the two demonstrating similar geochemistry and geophysical anomalies. Turning to Fafora, I will once again turn the call over to Paul Whedon to talk us through what we are seeing. Paul. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, looking at Fafora, which saw the lion's share of the drilling last year, we can see that Fafora is hosting extensive shear zones and vein corridors within, within an active nine square kilometre artisanal field. Our initial drilling within the Fafora main zone identified over seven parallel rows of mineralisation remaining open at depth and to the east. Mineralisation of Fafora, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> mineralisation of Fafora is typically associated with a series of sheared pelvic dikes, associated quartz staining and intense silica alteration in replacement. With a variable dip from steep westerly to approximately 70 degrees east, with coarse gold commonly seen in samples. Two mineralising styles have now been recognised at Papora. In a very broad, lower grade zone, typically half a gram to one gram per tonne, extending out to 60 metres in width, and interpreted as representing a broad, silicious halo to the much higher grade quartz veins, typically 10 to greater than 100 gram per tonne intervals with high grades of high levels of coarse gold over one to four metre intervals. A recently completed review of the key structural controls has highlighted the interaction of a series of north-northwest striking vein arrays within a regionally extensive set of northeast trending fractures, often developing repetitions of one-echelon mm -hmm. sub-parallel zones as seen at the floor main, along with the preferred host volcanic and intrusive lithologies. This review has also identified numerous additional target areas within and adjacent to the Hephora artisanal field as well as highlighting the highly prospective nature of the 10-kilometre corridor extending to Galgooli. At least five kilometres of this corridor is under thick laterite cover, mincing the effectiveness of historic broad-space soil sampling, with several northeast trending structures identified in regional geophysics. We followed up our four-hour drilling by stepping out to the west with a scout drill program testing the multiple bone corridors. A few holes into each structure, which was quite successful with a high strike rate, we followed this up with a definition drain on the new VC2 prospect, located less than 500 metres to the west of Hephora Main, 
which returned strong mineralisation, including results such as 14 metres at 3.6 grams per tonne gold from 44 metres in SSR 134, 5 metres at 17 grams per tonne gold from 59 metres in SSR 142, and 23 metres at 2 grams per tonne gold from 41 metres in SSR 143. In addition, and not shown here, the results from extension drilling down at Galgoolie continue to support the high-grade potential of this prospect, and where ongoing all the soil geochemistry results continue to highlight the regional anomaly. We'll continue to keep the drills turning at the Sura as we look to continue to expand and define the mineralized footprint towards the goal of a major resource by year-end. Back to you, John. Thank you, Paul. As you can probably tell, we are very excited about what Basura could mean for Roxgold. And while it continues to be a little overshadowed by the pace of our development at Seguela, this is a project that could add considerable weight to the Roxgold project portfolio in due course. In closing, I want to thank you for joining us on this call. 2020 was a year that will live on in infamy for a long time, yet we have never been happier as a company of our achievements during the year. Roxgold's future has never been brighter as we continue to see strong and steady production and cash flow generation from Yarramoko, which we are reinvesting into the business on a value accretive growth initiatives at Seguela, Basura and Yarramoko itself. Seguela has already become a cornerstone asset for us and we believe that the project will continue to grow in importance in our portfolio as we advance it towards production next year. Thank you for your time this morning and with that, I will now pass the line back to the operator to take any questions that you may have. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, just press the pound key. Again, to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Georgie Mark with Haywood Securities. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning, all, uh, or evening, depending where you are. Yeah, thanks for the call today. Um, nice results. Um, maybe I'll just focus on Segalia because uh, that's the uh, next cat off the rank in terms of um, milestones for production decisions, formal production decisions, or uh, construction decisions. Um, is there a, a particular window of time which, uh, where the wet season affects you or we've got any critical sort of path items that need to be in place or above ground um, for you to sort of complete construction and have, say, uh, a semblance of first pour in uh, latter 2022? Uh, sure, Geordie, thanks, thanks for that. And uh, we actually had a board meeting today and we were sort of running through the, the critical path and, and looking at sort of approving some, some additional expenditures to allow us to protect that critical path and, and not fall behind. And, and as you've identified, clearly the rainy season in this part of the world can have a, a fairly uh, significant effect uh, on that. It's not, not that you can't build through the rainy season, it's just that you probably would, would choose to be above ground rather than down in the ground if you could avoid it. So, and, that, and that's what it's looking like will be the case for us. So I might, I might let Paul 
talk to a little bit more of the detail as he's got his uh, his hands fully on the levers, but that's that's certainly the plan. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry, uh, as the um, as discussed previously, the early work component of the budget so improved does include the first uh, kerosene of the uh, process plant bulk earthworks. Uh, so that is one of the first items that we will commence in the coming in the coming months, really. Um, and the intent is to get us, as John said, those, those big kerosene building us up out of the ground ahead of the rainy season this year. Um, that is a, a yeah, that's a commitment of a, a, a two or two million dollars. Um, but that will be done um, ahead of this year so that we can award the EPC agreement as and when needed to, to meet that end of 2022 target. Great, thanks Paul. Um, um, maybe uh, another one moving into, into cooler if I can. Um, and, and looking at the, the down plunge extent, do you see any um, potential for parallel loads above or below the, that main sort of keel load that you, that you show in there? Um, or is, is it sort of one plunging load only um, is defined by the structural and geological data? I think Paul, do you want to, uh, you want to grab that one? Yeah, Geordie, it's a good question. The short answer is we haven't done enough work to to highlight the repetition of the loads along strike at this stage. Um, there's no geological reason why it won't continue as it will, so it won't repeat further along strike. Um, it's very much a structure-controlled unit within this uh, mines zone. Um, we see it, it's almost a mirror image for what we have down at MCN. And it's really only been the last three weeks we've started to push the rigs away from the core of both um, both projects to see if we are then picking up some repetitions further along strike. There's certainly a number of key structures that we are following, and many of those have got some evidence of mineralisation on them. So I wouldn't be surprised to find that we will get a repetition um, along the structure itself. Okay, great. And, and maybe one more while you're on the line. Um, what makes uh, 109 and, and 300 zones um, priority targets relative to the to, to the other other potential down there? Yeah, the main reason those lit up is that the priority is one. There is historical results um, that Roxgold had from five, six, seven years ago. Um, it also sits neatly in our ranking system for the structural model that we're, we're running with now. Um, and that's been further reinforced by some historic artisanal workings that are present on those sites. Um, and so we've started to drill those off, and uh, so far the, the, the results tend to support our, our current exploration models. So as we work through those, we'll then move out to the other prospects. Okay, great. I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Our next question is from Carrie McCrory with Canaccord Genesee. Your line is open. Excuse me, Mr. McCrory, your line is now open.
Our next question is from Wayne Lamb with RBC. Your line is open. Good morning, guys. Um, just thinking about the upside at Seguela uh, and getting to the two million two million ounce target, which um, you guys uh, seem to have no shortage of targets in getting to. Um, you know, just with the feasibility study, uh, feasibility study coming up, uh, just wondering if there's been any consideration to upsizing the mill size um, uh, versus the PEA. Sure, Wayne. Thanks. Um, there has been so, and we are, I think, growing in confidence, really, with with all the sort of the drilling that we're doing, that that the project will deliver ultimately a significant larger resource and reserve base than than what we're seeing today, and that can come, I think, from a combination of extending the existing deposits, the five the five sort of known deposits, and particularly. Ancient and 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 cooler at depth, but but also around Boulder and Agouti, and you know also antenna etc. Um, with respect to the processing plants, we have taken a very similar philosophy to what we we utilised at Yarramoko, which which incorporated uh, a, a stage two expansion in the design philosophy, and and I think we've done the same again. And maybe maybe Paul, maybe Chris will can talk a little more eloquently to, to what that would look like, but it wouldn't look a lot different in, in terms of the of the of the bits of bits and bobs than, than what Yaramoko did. But Paul, uh, Paul, I'll give it back to you, mate. Thanks, Jerry. Wayne, um, the current mill uh, capacity at 1.25 million tonnes per annum is based on the hardest ore type of the project, that's antenna. Um, and so, therefore, the Cooler, Boulder, Agouti, and Antien, um all have, if you like, softer uh, breakage characteristics than antenna. So they will all run through nominally at a, at a uh, higher rate than antenna. So I guess the guess what I'm getting at is I feel, we feel that the 1.25 you know, nameplate, and I'll go through to Yaramoko's sort of comp to nameplate to give you a bit of a feel for you know how we design these things. Um, you know, I feel that that's got a little bit more in it to go before we sort of tap out. But as John says, we have designed in the in the day dot uh, contemplation for Seguela a, a secondary crush and CIL uh, expansion that would see the throughput go up by roughly fifty percent from that nameplate. So we get you in the vicinity of 1.8, 1.9 million tonnes per annum, and are fairly, fairly easily, um, and and simply given that we've already considered that in the layout and in the electrical and, and other infrastructure uh, to support that expansion. Okay, perfect. Yes, it kind of sounds like the trajectory of the uh, uh, Yermoko Mel. Um, Maybe just turn to Yermoko. Uh, just wondering on the higher operating costs uh, for 2021. Um, was that kind of a function of higher mining unit costs, or could you just provide a little bit more detail on what drove the, the incrementally higher guidance? Look, sure. I mean, there was. Uh, I guess the the. I mean, the overall result was driven a little bit by. You know, a couple of the factors that we identified, the, you know, the sort of the COVID, the COVID sort of additional COVID protocols, and, and what that means in in sort of 
non sort of MDNA language is, is, is really sort of inefficiencies that were introduced around rosters and crew changeover, etc. So we did have a, you know, certainly in the, you know, the early part of the, the pandemic through late Q1 into Q2 and Q3, we sort of saw, um, you know, a little bit of delays in getting people around and a bit of a requirement to sort of double up uh, on, on crews and, and that sort of sort of impacted us on some of the development rates, particularly Bagasie South. So that sort of contributed a bit. Obviously, there was the higher the gold price, um, which the, the higher royalty under the sliding scale. Um, main the main impacts uh, this year going forward, we see all in sustaining coming down, and that's largely decline anymore at, at Bagasie South. So that which is, which is good, but we've still assumed that some of which lead to some higher costs exist uh, ongoing for the um, for, for the for basically most of 2021 effectively. Um, Vince, anything else that, that uh, we should add to that uh, to that commentary? Yeah, so yeah, so 2021 uh, continues the assume the impact of COVID, uh, which is the uh, particularly on our costs relates to the, the processing of the, the lower grade stockpiles. Uh, to uh, to maintain the throughput. So there's a again there's a similar about a forty dollar per ounce impact that's factored into our guidance for 2021, and uh, similar to uh, the, the higher gold price uh, has factored in uh, another twenty thirty dollars per ounce into into the guidance for baked into the guidance for 20, uh, 2021 as well. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Uh, that's all for me. There are no further questions at this time. Now I'd like to turn the call back over to Mr. Dor John Dorward for closing remarks. Thank you, operator. I would like to thank everybody for joining the call today and, and any follow-up questions, please address them through either myself or Graham. We look forward to speaking to you again following our first quarter results with a, another update on progress with our various projects. And I hope everyone has a, has a great day and as always, Stay healthy. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's conference call. Thank you everyone for joining. You may now depart. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.